Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Inside. It ain't the left side or the right Good morning, right Dolphins fans. Welcome here to another episode of On the Fence Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. We're about nine weeks away from the Dolphins' first preseason game. Seems so far away. And today we're talking about, we're, we're starting our positional breakdown here at the top with the quarterback position. It's not a, a position I'm sure nobody wants to hear about. Um, not a lot of mystery about who's going to be on the roster. Tua is the starter. Jacoby Brissett signed in the offseason to a one-year contract is going to be backing him up as a lot of experience, which we'll get into. So obviously this is the talk of the town right now, Paul, with Tua's recent comments, which, you know, even though I talked about, I, I wish he hadn't said what he said, has been certainly overblown. Um, you know, I see this uh, is again, again, uh, Ryan Clark uh, on ESPN actually said it perfectly. Uh when asked that question, you lie. You, you and I, 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 again, I'm a huge proponent of lying to the media when it comes to things like this. And this is an example why, because you're now you've got to spend weeks and weeks answering the question, making you look like you didn't even try last year, which obviously we know isn't the case. No, and you know what? Like, look, we all knew before Miami drafted him. Two is just built different. Like he's a different personality. He's a different type of guy. He like it. It's you want a guy that's going to come out and lie to your face about himself. That that's that's nothing we've seen from Tua so far. And you know he does hold himself accountable. So if he feels like he should have known the playbook better, he's going to say that. Like I don't care. You know, it, my issues really were, was he going to be able to build the leg strength back up? And good Lord, it looks like he's built it up in spades. His legs are starting to look like A.J. Dillon's out there. I'm almost getting worried now. Hey, Dolphins fans. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, concerts, on the fin side. All of those are in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going with the code FANSIDED20. 
The world is starting to open up, Dolphin fans, and the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, plus two free gifts performance boxer briefs and the shed travel bag talk about a world-class dismounted to a post-quarantine world this package is the perfect package for your package and peak performance in whatever sport you desire get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscape.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code fansided20 at manscape.com achieve pubic glory this year with manscaped your balls will thank you right and, and we've seen a lot of uh, footage with Tua and looking like a different player as far as being able to drive from the hip last year and that was so much the problem because the the difference with Tua compared to other quarterbacks look Justin Herbert can drop back and he is he's got the size he's got the arm strength he can mask certain things Tua cannot do that and here's what it, we knew that coming out. He, he's six one. He doesn't have the greatest arm. It's the way that you develop Tua has to be and, and build around Tua is the way that the Saints did with Drew Brees. I'm not comparing Tua to Brees, but it all has to fit. Uh, Tua has to know the playbook. He has to be able to make changes at the line of scrimmage. The timing has to be down. He has to be well protected, and he has to be able to step into his throws. If that all doesn't fit, it's not going to work for Tua. But what I like is that when you take a look at how the Dolphins have drafted, you know, four of their five offensive line starters over the last two years, they can grow together. You look at Parker Gesicki, Miles Gaskin, uh, Will Fuller, and Jalen Waddle as your five options on offense. He's got it. At least on paper, moving forward, he's got what he needs to to be able to have it all fit together. He's got a better set of tools around him, absolutely. Um, not just those five, but but the depth there. Um, he's got, you know, a year of experience. He's got probably a better playbook now than what he had last year. I think they probably kept what worked for him last year. Throughout all the stuff that didn't, it, which isn't a lot considering Chan Gailey used the one-page playbook, it felt like, when Tua was on the field. Um, they're going to improve his ability to check down this year or check out of things. And then I, I want to go back to what I said before and, and talk about his legs. It's, you know, when I'm helping, like, you know I coach with kids and, and things like that. Like, it's, when I'm working on something with a kid, the very first thing I look at, whether it's helping somebody at baseball, helping somebody with basketball, helping somebody with football skills, what no matter the position in football, if your base isn't working right, you are going to struggle. Like It doesn't matter if you're a lineman. It doesn't matter if you're a receiver. If it doesn't matter if you're a quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're a running back. If your legs are screwed up, nothing else matters so the very first thing that you've got to get right is your legs and Tua didn't have that last year he was out there playing like the one-legged man and could get zero drive from his base so I'm and you know I was skeptical of Tua coming in I thought he was going to be okay I was worried about the injury history um but what I saw from Tua last year he passed the eye test he did it without a good base knowing that he had to correct that this offseason everything I've watched with him I he's got his legs where they need to be. So mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm excited because now we're going to get to see the two that everybody wanted, even if some people have gotten off the train way too early. You, you've got to remember, players got to develop. People forget about that. Right. And the way I am on tour right now is now I'm not going to talk about how good I think he's going to be. I'm not going to I'm not going to plant my flag anywhere. Um, What I know is he needs to get to a certain level of success here in year two or year three, especially with the cast that they've built around him here. And my theory on Tua is that when you look at the injury, when when you look at, you know, he had a very good touchdown to to turnover ratio. He had 11 touchdowns uh, in, in the air, three on the ground three on the ground and he had five interceptions only um over those nine games there are two reasons why two is getting so much criticism here going from year one to year two justin herbert was taken one spot behind him and it was two or or herbert two or herbert heading up into the draft let's be honest and herbert set the set the league record for uh passing touchdowns for a quarterback that doesn't have anything to do with Tua necessarily, but that's what's going to be compared. And number two, Tua was was taken out of two games. And I, I said at the time I didn't like it. I still don't like it. And if it weren't for those two factors, that's my theory that he wouldn't be facing the amount of criticism heading into 2021 than he probably otherwise would have. You know, I I, I don't personally care about Justin Herbert right now. I mean, you look back at what was it, 2012, 2013. After after the first season in the NFL, there were people talking about the fact that maybe the Colts made a mistake taking Andrew Luck over RG3. I mean, RG3 came out firing guns a blazing. And, you know, it, it's. <laughs> so Herbert came out more NFL ready in the moment in an offense that favored his skill set, uh, a simple offense that favored his skill set. And he had better weapons, too. He wasn't throwing to Isaiah Ford. He wasn't throwing to Durham Smythe, a blocking tight end. Like, you know, it's... Two had, like, one weapon at the end of the year to throw to. His running backs were all hurt. The offensive line was shuffling due to injury. And, And I'm not making excuses for the guy, but it's, you know... You don't know year one, most of the time, what somebody's gonna be. Peyton Manning sucked his first year. It's... And, and the well, guy it, was coming back from catastrophic injury. Pe- people need to just kind of chill, see where he gets. They need to take that Tua approach to it and just, you know, be chill, smile about it, and say, you know what, we're going to get there. We're good. We're good. Like, that, it's, you know. I, that, I, I think we are making excuses, but they're good. Ex- I mean, excuses. There's, there's a difference I, between excuses I, I don't like, and reasons. Correct, correct. Re- uh, there's a difference between excuses and confronting reality. Yeah. Um, the reality is Tua was in a a car accident-like injury back in the 2019 season. And th- there was questions even when he was drafted, is this guy even going to see the field this year? Well, he did. He recovered nicely. And he had a promising rookie year given the circumstances. Now, what you said about Herbert is exactly right. I mean, Herbert had Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams to throw to. Uh, so that's a big difference than to uh, than what Tua had to work with. And to to go a little further on that, um, yeah, Tua had Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki, um at wide receiver and tight end. They played the most snaps when he was in a quarterback. But if everybody remembers, Mike Kosicki, um 
from the Bengals game on was questionable or doubtful every week. And a lot of times he was a decoy out there on the field. He wasn't he wasn't nearly close to what he was. Devontae Parker was questionable every week. Um, you take a look, you know, he missed one game or two games. And then in a couple of the other ones against the Rams in week eight and against the Chiefs in week 14, he didn't even play 30 snaps. So he was pretty much a decoy, too. When you look past Parker and Gesicki, you take a look at the snaps with Tua last year. Lynn Bowden, 291. Durham Smythe, 283. Adam Shaheen, 215. Jakeem Grant, 233. Matt Collins, 217. We're talking about five players there that are not even guaranteed roster spots and are going to be, those snaps are going to be taken by Jalen Waddle, by Will Fuller, possibly by Hunter Long. Huge difference with the supporting cast this year. Yeah, I mean, the final few weeks, it's Isaiah Ford had the second most number of snaps at wide receiver. Mac Hollins was right behind him. I mean, and you've got DVP, who's not really a separation type guy. Like, that's a joke to sit there and, and you know, Tua should have been hit, throwing interceptions because these guys weren't that great other than DVP. In the final three games, to capitalize on your point there, Isaiah Ford had 149 snaps in three games. Um, uh, basically was playing almost every snap. Mac Hollins had 122 snaps in the final three games. Was playing about 70% of snaps. So, yeah, exactly right. And and you look at the Bills game, and yes, the Dolphins were destroyed in every facet of the game. There's no making excuses for that. Not every. I mean, come on. They ran, they ran through Calvin Munson repeatedly. Uh, well, I mean, the, the Dolphins, to their benefit, did not uh, uh, were were dominated in every. Uh, the The Dolphins were the dominated. Dolphins lost handily. We'll go. Yes, on. yes, they did. I, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure which, what you mean by what you said, but uh, well, anyway. there was more to it than Munson. But Munson was like the mo- like e- it felt like every big run the Bills had went right through wherever Calvin Munson was. Well, he was a real Munson out there. That's a uh, that's for sure. Um, don't be a Munson. Don't be a Munson. Yeah, the it's, it's, special teams. He's fine, but you know, um, yeah, I. But my point is that uh, it, you look at that game there, and and how many drops were there? That I, I it was an epic amount. Oh. Was, was it double, <laughs> was it double digit? I mean, Isaiah, every Matt Collins, Isaiah, everyone was dropping passes in that game. Everyone and caught I, like they caught the ball like they had Chris Clemens' hands from years ago. And our longtime <laughs> listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about because that was a defensive back that was phenomenal at everything except for catching the ball. He caught like he wore boxing gloves. And, yeah. He was- and, yeah. He was a solid player who couldn't who couldn't intercept anything. That's that's for sure. Um, yeah. So now this year, the way I, the way I look at Tua's twenty twenty season, you know, you, you take a look game by game, and he got in in week eight against the Rams. And if you look at his stat line, you only see ninety three yards passing. But the reality too is that it was twenty. Uh, the the Dolphins put up twenty eight points in the second quarter and were up by three touchdowns the whole game. It's to his first start. You're not going to say, okay, go out there and sling it when we're up two or three touchdowns. Then the next week against Arizona, if you want to look at a game where you want to point to and say, that's the Tua that we need moving forward, it is that Arizona game. He goes 20 for 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, 
And the the numbers really don't do justice to how well he played throughout the game, too. I mean, remember that uh, when he was when he juked out Buda Baker on that on that third down. Oh yes, where the Dolphins then went up by a touchdown, ended up obviously winning the game. Buda got juked by the one-legged man. Yeah, and then uh, the next week they played the Chargers in Week Ten, and fifteen for twenty-five, hundred and sixty-nine yards, two touchdowns. And he was a better quarterback than Justin Herbert on that day. There, there's no doubt about that. Then you had the Broncos game, which was ugly. And it shed some light onto what we've heard, Paul, over the last couple of weeks here where, you know, let's let's be honest. He was a rookie. He didn't know the playbook all that well and didn't really feel confident enough to check out of certain formations. He was kind of dead in the water against the Broncos. He was, and... I think some of it was him, some of it was the rookie wall, some of it was the one-legged thing, some of it was Chan Gailey, and some of it was just, you know, it's it's not hard to scheme for such a simplistic playbook that they ran with him. Um, you know, I just, it's, and some of it is you're just going to come out and lay an egg once in a while, and that that's what it felt like they did in that game. Uh, so... I'm not going to get myself worked up over it. Like I said, my biggest thing, and I've said this since Miami drafted him, and thank you, Nizzle, and thank you, Cody. Um, And Cody, we'll get to your question in a second. My thing with him last year was about the eye test, and it was a harder eye test because of the fact that, like I said, his base was all jacked up. And he passed it. He passed it with flying colors. He passed the eye test. He stayed healthy. The two biggest things I wanted. Oh, Cap, I love you too. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um. So, the question we've got right here is: If Tua struggles, would you sub Jacobian? No, uh, it, I mean it would have to be off. Let me tell you this. Um, and thank you, Cody, for the donation there too, uh, and Cap for Life as well. Um, so, if you take Tua out of the lineup in any situation, not injury related for Jacoby Brissett, we're done with them. Two is two is done. All right. I don't want to hear, oh, well, he still has some promise. No. If you're willing to put Jacoby Brissett, who's probably the 35th to 40th best quarterback in the league, in there to try to revive your season, you're going quarterback in the 2022 draft. I don't expect that to happen. Uh, you've got to exhaust every opportunity here for Tua. Um, it, but Brissett's a good backup. I mean, you look at, at his career, he is the prototypical high-end backup who's not going to – you know, he's, he started 32 games in his career. His touchdown to interception ratio, 31 touchdowns thrown compared to 13 interceptions. He's the typical guy where if you've got a good defense, um, he's not going to turn the ball over, and you're going to be in or winning a lot of football games. Yeah, and there's three scenarios I want to see Brissett on the field. Garbage time, uh, the in-case-of-emergency break glass because two was injured, or a, a creative package that the offense is working with. Um, outside of those three scenarios, oh, I'm sorry, fourth scenario, preseason. Like, it, it, outside of those, you know, he's going to look great holding a clipboard, and he is a good, in case of emergency, break glass because, like you said, he doesn't turn the ball over. And I like him as a backup to Tua a little more than Fitz just because you're not going to be running almost two different offenses and trying to put to install them both out there 
Right. And I, I'll tell you what, I'll go a step further. You take a look at some of these quarterbacks around the league that are starting this year. I mean, uh, Drew Locke, Jalen Hurts, Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor. I I would say Jacoby Brissett. I, I'd probably take over all of the players I just named for 2021. So it's it's a good situation for the Dolphins to be in. And, and Brissett is also going to help uh, – Tua there in the quarterback room as well. He's he's a veteran. He's been around a while. You know, if you remember uh, back in 2016 when the Dolphins got blown out by the Patriots in Week Two, Jacoby Brissett was the starter. Um, didn't do a whole lot, but uh, you know, that was an ugly that was an ugly day. That's for sure. But no, I'm, I at, at first I didn't like the idea of signing Brissett for one year, five million. But because I I really in the first couple of days of free agency want to get starters want to gather all your resources and really hit somebody big but looking back now I'm, I'm glad that they did sign him um so yeah i looking at at where tua needs to be this year and this is this is why i don't i, I don't plant my flag and say Tua's is going to be great this is what he need where he needs to be for me to feel comfortable with him as, as the miami Dolphins starter moving forward here so to throw out some over a 17 game season, this to me to me what Tua needs to do, he needs to be at at over 4100 passing yards, 27 or more touchdowns, compared to 13 or less interceptions, 67 percent completion rate or better, and a playoff win. If Tua can get to that spot over the next two years, I'm going to give him two years, because it wouldn't make sense to draft a quarterback in the middle of the first round if he's kind of if he didn't have the greatest year but he's still promising um if he if he gets to that spot then i'm going to be confident if not that that's when i start to say okay maybe the dolphins in the 2023 draft may need to look at another quarterback but again i think two is going to get it done i i i'm with the supporting cast the the arrow seems to be pointing up here uh, as as we had as we head into the summer here yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It, it's I have for myself a target in my head of I want to see four thousand plus passing yards with ten or less interceptions, and I know that's a little bit lofty target on that one, but given his efficiency and accuracy, that that's pretty much who Tua is. Um, and I want to see twenty five plus touchdowns at least, uh, as far as that goes. I think he can get there this year, but like you said two years if he can get there within two years i'm good um the playoff win thing i'm not going to put all on him because it is a team sport uh and there are too many variables there that could impact that in a way that uh, can make it not his fault but miami should be a playoff team they're a 10 and 16 last year they got better and markedly better this offseason so i think miami should be able to make the playoffs here and a win should come along with that yeah, and that's got to be the expectation here because, look, the Dolphins had one of the best defenses in the league last year, and this offense now is at the point where it has a lot of players that the Dolphins have drafted in the first two days of the draft or spent a lot of money on or have established themselves in the league here. I mean, there is a going to be a major difference that I, I think people are going to see too as far as the skill positions between having, um, you know, uh, hopefully, presumably, a healthy Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki, Jalen Waddell, Will Fuller, and a healthy Miles Gaskin. Compared to last year, which was the reality for Tua, he had a, he had a worse offensive line than he's going to have this year. Uh, Miles Gaskin, uh, when Tua got into the lineup, 
Miles Gaskin missed five of his first seven games. So he didn't have Gaskin last year as that security blanket, that guy that was breaking out uh, in, in his uh, uh, third NFL season or second NFL season, excuse me. Um, and you're going to have him instead of Savon Ahmed or Dwayne Washington. Um, so it is just a lot of weapons to go around, and that's where two has got to be because if he's calling plays at the line of scrimmage, he's spreading the field, he's taking advantage of one-on-one matchups. That's what he did at Alabama. Yeah, and it's Miami's weapons, and, and this is something I thought about while you were talking there. Miami's weapons this season are designed to completely spread the defense out. Most of what Miami ran last year let the defense come up and kind of press into that 20-yard box uh, against the team. And you press into that 20-yard box, you're going to get destroyed by somebody on one of the sides or the other. Um, If you drop everybody back, you're going to get destroyed underneath. If you spread your defense out, Miami's got the guys that can pick holes in that. So... I don't have faith that they would have been able to do that with Isaiah Ford and, and, and Mac Hollins last year. Cause even if they got open, like we saw, they just dropped the ball. So it's, this should be a much more exciting offense to watch this year. And one that can take advantage of all the areas of the field. Yeah. And I want to capitalize on something John Gordon said there in the chat that we have to at least compete with the bills. Otherwise there's no point. hundred percent agree because I I'm a big believer that you've got to, you've got to, You've got to set your team to beat your division and you've got to win your division because if you don't, now you're in the wild card. Yeah, I know the Bucs won the Super Bowl last year as a wild card, but that's typically not a good, sustainable way to be successful. So, yeah, they, and when I, when I look at how what the Dolphins did this offseason, a weakness I see with Buffalo, even though they've got a very good starting secondary, it's not a very deep secondary. After you get past their fifth guy, which is uh, Teron Johnson, their nickelback, you start really dropping down into players like Saran Neal, former Miami Hurricane Jaquan Johnson. They spent fifth and sixth rounders on uh, Richard Wild Goose and, and DeMar Hamlin this year. But my point is, if you spread that field four wide and you've got a Jalen Waddle against a Saran Neal, that's the position that they need to be in. Um, and I think the Dolphins are going to have a lot of success if they spread the field and can protect Tua they can take advantage of a very thin secondary for Buffalo um, on the back end, as well as against the Jets, who frankly can't cover anyone. Yeah, and what I'll say as well, and I want to go back to something you talked about with the Bills game last year. You know, it, it, it's the, the I think it wound up being 12 or 13 drop passes in that game, which is insane. Um, those drop passes from guys like Isaiah Ford and Mac Collins, and this this is I know this is our quarterback show. We're not trying to beat those guys up, but those stopped drives and gave the Bills' offense more opportunities to go up against our defense in a short field scenario. And yeah, it just it's those drops hurt our ability to stop them because our defense got worn out. Like, our offense couldn't stay on the field because every time there was a critical pass, it was bouncing off of the face masks or hands or chest of, of, of Isaiah Ford, Matt Collins, and a couple of others, but those were the two biggest defenders in that game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, the defense, I, I it, that first quarter they played well, and then 
from the second second quarter they started getting worse, and then third and fourth quarter, by the time Matt Barkley gets in there, uh, they 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 can't stop anybody. I mean, hey, it was a it was a terrible defensive day. There there's no doubt about it, regardless of how often they had to be on the field, especially with the stakes so high. But you know, I, I'd say it was by far their worst defensive performance of the year, and. Yeah, they they've got they've got to challenge or beat Buffalo. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. Um, so, as far as two individually, going back to that is um, where he needs. There is there's a bunch of there are several tiers here of, at the quarterback position across the NFL. I see six quarterbacks that I view as elite: um, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady. And then after that, you take a look at that second tier of quarterbacks. You know, you've got about eight play, eight quarterbacks in there. Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Kyler Murray, and squeaking in there, I'll say is Ryan Tannehill. Um, that's the tier, that second tier is where Tua needs to be. And when I when I threw out those numbers of where Tua needs to be statistically, 4,100 yards, 27 touchdowns compared to 12 or 13 interceptions, um, 67% completion rate, that's only about 12th best in the NFL in those categories. So that's, that's why it's important for Tua to be there at that spot. Because otherwise, if we're talking about Tua as the 20th, 21st, 22nd best quarterback in the league here, at the end of the 2022 or at the end of the 2022 season, that's when you're going to start hearing the talk of we need to get another quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, it's he should be a top 15 this year given the weapons that he's got. And, you know, I, I and given the fact that he should be able to play with a base now, given the fact of what we've seen in limited film and I say limited film even though there's been just a glut of it I say that because you know a lot of things out there if they're pre-recorded for you have gone through about 20 different takes before they take the the perfect one to to illustrate so um, yeah it's you know so he may be missing 19 throws and then hitting the 20th but by all reports from folks at training camp that's not the case. Actually, one thing I want to touch on real quick while we're talking about the throws, and, and no, it's not Reed Sinet, um, is Albert Wilson seems to be putting on a show with Tua here in, here in uh, early uh, offseason. Yeah, and, and that's uh, exciting to hear. And if you cut Albert Wilson, which I've always been open to or, and I thought might happen, you're only going to save, I think, what, Three and a half million, somewhere, whatever we said, two and a half to three and a half million. Now, if he's got a good rhythm with Tua, and you know, you also look at Will Fuller being out the first week, absolutely keep him. No, no doubt about that. And you know, one advantage too to being out this long, I think, you know, when you're out of football and you opt out of last season, and you know, year before that, he he missed a lot of time too. Is sometimes when you actually get back on the field, you can be fresh and you know, if 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 that's the case, yeah, he he absolutely could be a good you know third or fourth option here for the Dolphins' offense in Week One. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in with it. I mean, if he looks like the player we signed initially, 
I'm 100% on board. And, and sometimes it is about the chemistry with the quarterback because, you know, you look at Patrick Laird, and when he, we, he was on the field limited action with Tua last year, the two of them really seemed to be in sync right off the rip. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Samuel Rose in the chat said uh, Tua had a um, 64.1% completion percentage in his rookie year. That sounds right to me. And uh, his legs were at 60%. Yeah, his legs were. Okay, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and you know, you've got to me you've got to be in the mid to high 60s uh, for to be an effective NFL quarterback uh, otherwise if you're in that like at that high 50 you know 60% range you've got to be converting a lot of big plays i mean repeated i mean big chunk 30 40 50 yard plays i don't think that's to his game i think it's spreading the field and getting the ball quickly in the hands of his receivers and that that's what we've got to we've got to hope for here this year cuz you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'll tell you this, he did a great job of keeping the chains moving. And we didn't see that from Tua last year. A lot of reasons for that that we've talked about. That, But you can't have as many three and outs as, as you had as a rookie. The, the chains have to keep moving. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I think I think they will. I think he's got a better, like, like I said, I, I hate to keep going back to it, but he's got a far better receiving core overall this year. And... I think that is going to open a lot of things up for him. And, you know, you do see your completion percentage go up when you've got receivers that can catch the ball. And <laughs> it's one of those funny stats that's tied to that fact. So, you know, getting Waddle out there, getting Fuller out there in week two, uh, you know, getting getting that chemistry with Parker, uh, Hunter Long and, and Mike Gesicki. It's – I – like that receiving core and there's some depth pieces as well that have uh decent or better hands than what we had on the roster last year so i'm i'm 100 in i think it's it's the easiest thing for two to raise this year is that completion percentage it it's you know thrown with no legs to guys with no hands he still managed almost 65 percent completion percentage so i'm completely good there yeah, I think it's encouraging, and I continue to be mesmerized here by the last um, really four weeks of the season. Just the snap count uh, of of some of these players here. Of mm-hmm. uh, you, you look at the New England game. The Dolphins won that game uh, in Miami. It was a big win, and out of seventy-two snaps, Mac Collins was on the field in sixty-nine of them. Lynn Bowden sixty-five. Isaiah Ford fifty-three. Adam Shaheen, 43. Durham Smythe, 42. I mean, they there were times I would just laugh. They'd go in five wide, and they'd have Patrick Laird and Isaiah Ford and Mac Hollins out there. And I'm like, this is not – this. I mean, it's one thing to say it's an excuse and the quarterback should elevate the, the play around them. You got you to take them. You, you, you got to make them better. No excuses. But this is a joke at a certain point. I mean – <laughs> you, you and Durham Smythe, the you know part of that five wide Patrick Patrick you, Laird. You have a Jack Hollins. Isaiah you have Ford a five package. wide set, and you don't have a freaking uh, NFL caliber wide wide receiver on the team. <laughs> I mean, so we, we were this close to putting Christian Wilkins in the five wide package. That's all I'm going to say there. And that too is where I'm softening a little bit on kind of your stance um, of keeping Albert Wilson and or Jakeem Grant on the team. Because I'm going to be angry if we get to the end of next season. You know, we get into week 16, week 17, 
And we see a similar type of situation. Like, you know what? Do we really need to save two and a half million to cut Albert Wilson or, you know, need that extra four million? But we'll have uh, Stephen Carter. To cut Jakeem Grant. Yeah, gosh. They're going to run a five wide uh, set with, with five tight ends based on what we saw last year. But no. Um, and I like, too, that. One thing I'm 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 really looking forward to. It's kind of weird with the two offensive coordinator thing with Eric Studsville and George Godsey. But if you look at the sideline last year when Tua was talking to a coach, he was talking to George Godsey. That was the guy that was in his ear. And I think Godsey is going to trust Tua as well as Eric Studsville to when he when he gets his feet underneath them to say, "Look, look. Here's here's the game plan. Here are the plays here." Tua, you do what you need to do out there. Like you're you're a smart kid. You can figure out, you can feel. And when Tua is feeling the game, that's and, and has the weapons around him, that's that's when the Dolphins are going to have success on offense. But not until then. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It, it's uh, it's just it's gonna be fun to watch this year. It really is. I can't wait. Like I think Tua is gonna have a good year, and I think it's gonna be fun to watch. And and Cody, if you want to make that suggestion to them. Please feel free, um, but yeah, it, it's they weren't fun to watch when they lined up. And, and I love my team. I do. You know this. I know this. I think most of our listeners know this. But it's not fun to watch Patrick Laird run out and pass patterns as a primary receiver on a route. You know, like it, it's it's not fun to watch crap calls on offense to. To run the same continual goal line fade every time, uh, ineffectively, like because you don't have the receivers to pull it off. It's not fun to watch you try to run the ball with a couple of no names because you're on your fifth string running back. Like, it's not fun to watch you know the quarterback go out there and have basically the worst play call you could probably have for for his skill set. Because you designed your entire offense around an aging journeyman that you knew wasn't the guy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a- absolutely. And you know, Fitzpatrick uh, was, f- I think, far better than a lot of us thought here. And oh, you know, yeah. I wish, I wish, I'm, I'm very happy to see him starting again next year and starting in Washington. Oh, uh, and not in the cracking me up. Not, not in the same division. Not in the same. Con- I mean, and. And if you're Washington, I, I'm really looking in August when I mean Greer always likes to trade, mm-hmm. but um, you, you take a look at some of the guys on the bottom of the roster: the Jakeem Grants, the Preston Williams, um, Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen. I, I think the Washington would be crazy if they don't pick up the phone and call the Dolphins and offer a late round pick, you know, for for one or two of these guys, um, you know, because I I think they're good. They're good players, and they're, and they're not going to be out of work long if they get released. So, yeah, that's uh, – you know, we've talked about a lot here too. And, uh, you know, just another thing I don't want to hear, and again, stupid things people say, is, <laughs> oh, th- as long as the Dolphins are winning, they two it, eight day. Hey, if the Dolphins win nine or ten games, oh, two it, he's just a winner. You got to give him that. He's just a what? No, no. If Tua is not playing at a high enough individual level, then it's not good enough. And if people call these quarterbacks sometimes winners, and we see over and over again, it's not sustainable. They're not winners. They're just on a good team and along for the ride. Not so. It happened a little bit with Tua last year, but he did also have very good efforts too against like uh, Arizona and against Cincinnati, where he absolutely 
was a reason that they won that game. In fact, the major reason they won that game. But I don't want to hear in a couple of years, Tua is a a good enough quarterback on an otherwise great team. That That's what would upset me. Yeah, and, and I don't think you're going to hear that. I, I really don't. Like, And it's funny because you look around at, at, at this rookie class and you can see different problems that are cropping up for different guys Like from, from last year. Like, Joe Burrow is going to be the best guy to end up on IR every year. Like, <laughs> that team can, just can't get the fact that their only problem last year wasn't skill players. It wasn't the quarterback play. It was that they couldn't keep Burrow upright. Like, and I don't care how good of a fighter you are, if you're just getting hit in the face repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again, eventually you're going to get broken. Like and and it's gonna get a little easier for that to happen every time. And so Joe Burrow may end up being or may or may not be the best quarterback from that class, which is not to discount either Herbert or Tua, but his career is probably gonna be drastically shortened. Uh kind of like when Matt Schaub played for the Texans years ago, and he just got decked over and over and over and over again and started just turning into a pick six machine like it's you know it was almost like watching the water boy where they're trying to throw the ball to bobby boucher like just like get away from me no Ah, stop Derek carr uh no excuse me uh, david carr yes that's what i was thinking of not matt schaub good call yeah, well, you, well, you're kind of right on Shav. His offensive line did start breaking down at the end of his career when he was throwing a lot of pick sixes. Um, yeah, but Carr got destroyed and turned into like the turnover machine. Like he was, he was uh, Oprah with cars. I think Carr got sacked 72 times in his rookie year. I'm not positive. It's like you're not going to come back from that. Uh, so, but this will be an int- It's a good point. It's an interesting experience uh, experiment, not just with the Bengals but with the Dolphins because. Either one of those teams drafting at five or six could have taken the best offensive tackle in the class, which was Penny Sewell. We won't get into that again. Um, they didn't. The Bengals took Jamar Chase. The Dolphins took Jalen Waddle. That doesn't mean it's the wrong decision. But the interesting experiment is going to be, which one do you pick? Do you per- draft the offensive lineman to protect the quarterback or do you give the, the young quarterback another option so that they can get the ball out of their hands quicker, which minimizes what the offensive line has to do? That's going to be the interesting thing with, with the Bengals and the Dolphins this year. Yeah, it is. I, I can't wait to see Tua, healthy Tua with, with weapons. Like it's You can't handicap a rookie year any more than what Miami did with, with Tua last year. And, and so, like, replace him in a few games. Like, check. Run him out there with no legs. Check, check, check. Run him out there with, with Isaiah Ford and Mac Hollins just dropping passes left and right. Oh, yeah, we got that check mark. Run him out there with Chan Gailey calling a crappy offense because he likes the other guy better. Big old check mark. Like, it's all of those things, and he still managed to do well, still managed to keep his head up, still managed to be the kid that he is. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I want to see where we get to this year with this kid. Because yeah, I mean, you take you take all of those things and they've answered them this off season. Every single one of them. They, like, they've they've set the table for Tua. There, there's yeah. no doubt about it. And again, it goes back to what we were saying before: is 
you know, when Tua wasn't successful last year, and he hey, he, he had a terrible game against the Raiders, and then the Dolphins got crushed in Week 17, which I don't really think was Tua's fault. Um, you can call them excuses, but it, I don't call them excuses. I say it's just reality. I mean, yeah. if you people have gotten too fluid with that goddamn or with that stupid word these days, I like I don't. Uh, uh, oh, excuses? Yeah, yeah, it, right. I, I hear that on these shows. Oh, there are no more excuses for Tua. Like what? The guy played nine games in a season where he wasn't supposed to play. Uh, God, I need to stop watching TV. I need to stop listening to people. Well, yeah, I was gonna say because that's not just a TV thing. Like it's it's you give a valid reason for anything anymore. Like somewhere in the past two years, there's there's no such thing as a valid reason for something. Like it, it's. And you can't analyze anything without valid reasons. Sometimes you're not making an excuse. You're giving a reason why something happened. Now, does that mean that if that reason is taken away, they're going to correct it? Not necessarily. But they're going to have a better opportunity. And that, that's what we're talking about with Tua here. You know, it is he's got the, the tools this year. He's got the physical, actual ability to walk this year that, set the table for him to have the opportunity to do better. And I'm I'm excited to see what happens here. I think Miami could really be onto something with this kid, especially given what he was able to overcome for what he was able to do last year. Absolutely. And you know, we're going to grade these positions. I What's what's really the point I'd say of grading this one one but we are you know, if if we're judging, if Tua doesn't take a ne- uh, the next step forward, let's let's say he doesn't, then he's a C plus. He's a C or C plus quarterback. Uh, let's let's be honest. I mean, if if C is average, you know, that's really what he was last year at at best. Um, but if we judge him based on the the numbers that I think he's going to get to here in the next, you know, if not next year, then the year after, which is the forty one hundred plus passing yards, twenty seven touchdowns compared to you know twelve thirteen interceptions, may or may or, or hopefully less, sixty seven percent completion rate, uh, and a playoff win. That's where I think the Dolphins are going to get with Tua. Then we're talking about uh, a B or B plus quarterback. So. It's kind of hard to judge based on where he is as compared to where he's going to, we think, be next year with more weapons. Yeah, I, for me, I'm going to go with a B-plus here. It's for, Look, was he at a B-plus level last year? Not yet. But I'm grading based on the eye test, grading on... You're grading yeah. on what you think he's going to be this year. That's, right, and gotcha. I, I think it's a grade that could drastically go up. Gotcha, because if, if you were grading on where he is now then i would strongly disagree with you yeah. but if you're if you're you know hey if we have to take everything else into account which I, I don't think we're doing our job if we don't then i completely agree with you um thanks for joining us everybody and hey uh, give us some feedback too on how the mic volume's doing we've had some issues with that over the last couple of weeks with some some setting changes and it's hard to see during the show because i i can hear paul perfectly well and he can hear me perfectly well, but after the show, once it's up, it's up. So give us some feedback on that, um, and we really appreciate you all joining us here today. Paul, anything else you want to say in addition to what we've talked about? John Yurick, we love you. We can't wait to see it, too. And, uh, yeah, no, like, and let us know any questions you guys have that you want us to answer in, in the comments or you name it. Make sure you guys like. Make sure you guys subscribe. It helps us out tremendously. Um and yeah, man, I'm excited. We're getting closer and closer and closer to actually having football again. And 
I'm, I'm so ready to see this product on the field. It, it, it's going to be a fun season, I think. It will, and we're going to look at the running back position here next week and one that's that's gotten a lot of scrutiny here uh, in the offseason, but um, also is, to me, a position that it's it's not one of the the positions you go for with you know a, a high first round pick. It's it's a position you hope that you can find out there instead of investing heavily in. So we'll take a look at that. Be sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, um, as well as the Fan Sided Network and FinFanatic.com. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is Fanatic underscore Pick. If it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.